I believe that we are the guardians of a treasure that is called Judaism, a treasure that belongs to our children. This treasure has been passed on to us and it's our privilege to enjoy it, to cherish it, to grapple with it, to walk on a journey with it, and also to share it, to pass this treasure along to the next generation for them to discover it. Shalom, friends. Welcome to Raising Jewish Kids, the podcast for parents, educators, and spiritual leaders interested in children's journey in Judaism. My name is Evelyn Goldfinger, also known as Miss Eve, and I am so happy that you're here. Ruchim Abayim, welcome. Hi, listener. How are you, friend? How is the season for you when we are putting away our chametz physically, but also spiritually, the things that hold us back, the things that no longer serve us, and we make room for for just having a lighter journey? So what is one thing that you can get rid of? And this is actually a good exercise to do with kids, especially older kids, the island exercise. If you were to go to an island, let's say for a month, can you list 10 things that you will take with you? Just things. And then you can start saying, what if there were seven things? What about four? And what would be the most important one if you were to take just one thing? And sometimes we look around in our busy lives and we see all the chametz that we have, that it has nothing to do with bread, but it has to do with stuff, right? With stuff that we have around the house and also stuff that are thoughts in our heads that make our heart heavy. And if there's one thing that we learned from the Pesach story is that having a heavy heart, to have a hardened heart like Pharaoh had, it's, it's no use to us. We really need to walk with a lighter heart and a gentler heart. And we don't need as much as we think. Also, last week I was commenting on this idea of joy as a vehicle to expect or to be hopeful. And that hope will give us a chance to really walk the path of freedom. It's an interesting conversation to have with our kids not only why freedom is important, not only to us and why we tell this story, right? Thousands of years later, why freedom is so important to us and for everyone, everyone deserves to be free, but also to think, why do we have this freedom? What for? So what's the purpose of that? Not only where we come from, but also what are we doing with this freedom? What are the responsibilities? I love this quote by Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibilities. And I feel that's true. Freedom with a purpose, freedom with um, a walk towards the Torah, like we will do in the Sefirah the Omer, we count the Omer walking towards something, the Torah, the law, the way of conducting ourselves our story and then the promised land, where do we want to go? So these are all things that we can work with. I also want to take a moment to thank all of your listeners who have been commenting so kindly about the podcast, reaching out with questions and suggestions, whether for topics or for guests. Thank you so much. It means so much that you're listening and I would love to hear from you. So you can send me your thoughts at shalomeve.com or evelyngoldfinger.com or you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, toratron, torahtron. Because um, that's how the company, my Jewish Educational Theater Company, started. So that's the name that sticked so far. 
For me, it's been busy. I have opened my Pesach show. Each year is something different. And I love doing that. Of course, it's time consuming. I'm very hands on. I am there writing and rehearsing and retouching the scenery and all the good stuff. It's really a fun show. I wanted kids to really feel the whole Dor Vador Chayav Adam Lirot Tatzmo Kehiluhu Yatsami Mitzrayim. In each generation, each one of us needs to feel as they have left freed out of Egypt. So I want the kids to be involved in the story, to take roles, to take part. And it has, of course, interactions and songs and lots of fun puppets and they really play an active role and I think it's great because they get to bring to the show what they have learned from the story when they know about the story you know for older kiddos and for new kiddos they get to experience it live uh, with all the magic that comes from live theater and so it's very special If you are not in Miami or Florida, you can still catch some of that magic via YouTube. I mentioned this before. My um, Pesach story videos, actually it's a two-part story, but it's also uploaded as a one part in my YouTube channel at Toratron. That was the most, that I think it, it still is the most successful video with more views. And I still get comments like kids <laughs> watch these videos all year round. And I think it's because it's so immersive and so interactive. It was so much fun creating that, even though it was the first video I did during pandemic time. So it definitely was a challenge. But um, it felt great to be able to do something that served the community so much at that time. It still has it ripples effect. So I invite you to share that with your students as well and invite them even through video. It's interactive. So they get to be part of the story. So I want to ask you, what are your traditions? Maybe preparing for Passover or during the Seder or Seder? Um, how do you involve kids? How do you involve everyone? Do you have any special... Some, I know that some people do themes and some people put props or prompts or questions and there are games. There are so many ways in which we can make this setter a very meaningful experience. And the thing is, it has been modified throughout the, the ages. We do have the steps But beyond that, there are so many Haggadot um, with wonderful traditions, old and new. And there are some things that you can incorporate from each. You don't have to overwhelm yourself. You can just choose and pick a few, see what sticks and create your own tradition. In my table, of course, there are puppets and there there is like the set and we set up the table as Yetziat Mitzrayim, leaving Egypt, coming forth out of Egypt. So we have toys and kids get to dress up and we tell the story and we sing the songs. Um, it's so much fun. And of course, we make kids the protagonists. I think our sages were so wise. I mean, it might be redundant to call wise a sage, but you know what I mean. Even in the Torah, this is actually from the Torah, which is mind-blowing. And you shall tell your children. And also when your children ask you. The Torah is already highlighting the importance of children and also assuming, knowing how curious they are and entitle them, making them deserving of knowing their story, where they come from. So then that walk towards the breed, the pact, the Torah, the promised land will be a much more sustained walk because they will know where they come from. I encourage you to try out something new. Some people nowadays, they add 
some things to spark curiosity, whether it's adding new element to the to the table. It could be an orange um, in a symbol of a more inclusive society regarding gender. Some people add Miriam's cup filled with water to remember Miriam's well, and in that way, including the women who are much the protagonist of the story. We women, we should be so proud that we have such great role models in this story that we can pass along to to girls, young girls, young women in this generation. So I was wondering what your traditions are. Anyways, if you can, just DM me, send me a message. I'll be happy to read it and to continue the conversation. So today we have a wonderful guest, my friend and colleague, Leora Lazarus is here. Moral Leora, an early childhood educator extraordinaire and a professional storyteller. She's just amazing. We had a deep conversation, not only what happens inside of the classrooms, but also we talked about gratitude and an attitude towards life of appreciation. And you know that they say, they say that gratitude is the path to joy and joy is the path to having a relationship with God, with the divine, with spirituality. So I invite you to take a listen. Raising Jewish Kids is brought to you by my new book, Words from My Heart, the hands-on Jewish prayer book. Words from My Heart presents an interactive approach to spirituality and Jewish prayer for children. It's a hands-on scrapbook-style book that includes activities, games, songs, Hebrew words, prayers, and more. You can check it out at shalomeve.com. Let's welcome our special guest, Leora Lazarus, a.k.a. Mora Liora, is a best-selling author, storyteller, early childhood educator, and supplemental school teacher. Liora has been a groundbreaking developmental preschool and Judaica teacher for over 35 years. Educated at Barclay House Teachers Training College in Cape Town, South Africa, she has gone on to work with thousands of children in Africa and the United States. Leora offers teaching tools for Jewish educators through her Etsy store. She is very creative. She's very talented. And I want everybody to meet her. Let's welcome. Tan, tan, tan. The one and yeah, Leora. Shalom, Leora. Are you here? Hi, everybody. Why don't you start by sharing with everybody a little bit of your journey, which like it's been a literal journey from South Africa to the States, but also your journey to Jewish education and, and how that developed. Well, I have been a Jewish educator my whole life. I am a third generation Jewish educator. So I was born into it. Um, my Boba Zeta were Jewish educators in Vilna. And then when they moved to South Africa, my Boba continued to teach. Uh, my mother is an educator. And so it's in my blood. I was born as a Jewish educator. And honestly, I really haven't done anything else. I have always taught children, mostly in Jewish settings, from a very young age. And uh, when I came to the United States, uh, the first thing I did was find a Jewish school to teach in. And even the only time that I really didn't work as a full Jewish educator was when I founded my own 
non not for profit program in San Diego, where I made a traveling preschool, uh, and I went into the underserved communities of San Diego. I would pack the whole preschool into my car and drive to uh, public spaces where I would help empower parents to educate their own children so that they would be able to get their children ready for school. You know, in the United States, there's a lot of children who fall above the price point of going to Head Start, but below being able to afford preschool education. And so that was my target audience. I did that for a few many years, and I... Um, empowered those families. I had many, many children go through that school. And so that period of my life, I was not in Jewish education. But then after that, I went straight back into the Jewish preschool again. I wonder, um, I'm also from another country, from Argentina, where preschool education is very different than here in many aspects. I wonder how it was for you. Is it similar in South Africa? Or, or is it, um, does it have the similarities with how um, early childhood is is um, treated, projected, being done here? Uh, I think there's a lot of similarities between South Africa and here. Uh, I came here and the methods that I learned and the things that I did and the things I felt comfortable with were the things that were being implemented in schools here too. That's great. So for me... Um, Usually early childhood educators, they have like a college degree. It's, it's, uh, it's something that they study. And, and I see that you have studied that. It's like uh, a speciality you become, right, uh, uh, through many years of study. And here um, it works a little bit different. Like you can do some courses. So not for everybody, it's, it, it's a journey of I, I really want to do it. Some people just happen to fall into it because it is a job. And, and there's a whole thing with the daycare slash early childhood system, right? Yeah, you know, obviously, I think um, it's become very apparent since the pandemic how the Jewish preschool education system is failing the teachers, We, as educators, are working really, really hard to educate the children with Jewish education. But I'm finding a lot of um, schools and organizations are not supporting their teachers as much. And so they, particularly, I can only talk for what's going on in San Diego. And right now in San Diego, there's a big shortage of Jewish educators. A lot of the preschools have very few or no Jewish educators teaching the Jewish children because the organizations aren't stepping up and helping the educators support themselves. And unfortunately, as early childhood educators, our qualifications, my degree, does not hold the same value as an elementary school teacher does. We're talking very sad. So it's, it's in terms of compensation that you're talking? Yes. Yeah, so let's say I have a BA, which I do, um, in early childhood education. An elementary school teacher with a BA 
will earn a living wage, but an early childhood educator like me with a BA does not. Even on the same premises, on the same property, there is a discrepancy between the pay, between the early childhood teachers and the uh, elementary school teachers. In my experience, I am not talking for the whole country, I'm not talking for the whole world, but I am talking for my own experience. Um, two follow-up questions. First of all, do you think this is particular to the Jewish world or this is something that private early childhood organizations um, go through? Or, or I really can't speak for anybody else because I've only been in Jewish education. Right. So I can't talk for, for publics, you know, for the rest of the private schools. Um, I just can speak for my own experience in Jewish spaces. Yes. And I know that you wrote an article um, about this, and there has been a lot of talk among um, early childhood edu educators. And, and just for everybody who's listening, it's not like directors and organizations are against. There, there's a situation going on, right? What, what do you think it's... Right. What, what, has I, what, what is different now than before, if, if it was different? And how do you see the situations in which the organizations are right now that that maybe pushes them to, to be in this situation? I think when early childhood education started in um, 40, 50 years ago, it was a part-time job for people to just go, women to get out of the house and just, you know, play with children. However, over the years, it has become known to us how important early childhood education is. And so we go study and we learn the best ways to help children, to educate them, to get them a head start, to have a good grounding in those first five formative years. However, the patriarchal system has not kept up with that. And so preschool teachers are still seen as just people who are just babysitting children. And it is not seen as a valid career and it's not seen as something important. And so the big organizations are still seeing early childhood education as childcare. And they are not seeing it as education as it should be. And so therefore they are not valuing their teachers as important members of the community. And unfortunately, I can't survive on close to minimum wage and still afford to pay my rent. And so after 35 years in the classroom, I had to make the difficult decision of not going back. I am still educating children. I am still educating early childhood, but I am not a full-time teacher in a classroom anymore because my 40 hours a week that I was working in a preschool classroom was not supporting my family. Right, yeah. And, and it's, there's a discrepancy in, uh, in between, like you said, many years ago, maybe, people or it wasn't popular that the discoveries, the science, the studies, uh, the empirical 
prove that early childhood years are key in development of the brain, um, social skills, and so forth and so on. And, and nowadays, and, and see, it's been going on for a while, there are so many programs specialized in music for early for young learners, right? In art for young learners, in math for young learners, in everything, like baby gym, whatever it is. And, and, and therefore, there is a disconnect between early childhood being in this country and optional until, I don't know if that's in every state, but I think in Florida where I am, uh, it's mandatory since pre-K four, maybe just kindergarten. Yeah, here it's only kindergarten. So maybe that's and, and so the, therefore I don't know how much the government helps or which other besides you know the Jewish setting. I think it's part of a bigger problem. Um, and as an educator myself, I know how key those ears are. And 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 as a parent, I could see it at home being you know being able to choose. To, to send my child to a Jewish uh, preschool, how important that component was, everything that, that, that my child was learning there and, and how they brought home projects and, and all that, that important things that, that as parents, unless you are homeschooling, you, you won't be able to do that. So that, that gap is, and, and also it's sad because not only it's important and kids are losing and, and, and preschools are short stuff, but, but for the teachers, it's, it's uh, a vocation, right? It's something that they do out of passion, out of love. It's not, you know, oh, I want to, you know, I don't want to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a preschool teacher, right? It's, it, so I, I wonder, first of all, if that, the fact that it's not mandatory has anything to do with this. Because, like, the competition is daycare, right? Or just being at home with, I don't know, granny or whoever is not working at the moment and available for the kids. So it's really hard. It is. However, the Jewish organizations um, that are not supporting their early childhood educators and they are just settling for anybody um, are starting off their children on a different footing to the way we would like it to be. It's more about letting go of very valuable teachers because they can't afford to stay in early childhood education. Right. That's what it's about. So, and therefore you have early childhood educators exploring other uh, ventures, which sometimes I, is a blessing <laughs> like you. Would you tell us, I, first of all, because I don't want everybody to think, oh, the childhood is, you know, it's going to be a massive problem. We are addressing it. It's important to have this conversation. I believe there was an article asking who is going to teach our children. And it was like it from a Jewish perspective. Um, and there is the other component that, that some families and some parents, because they don't know better, they, because they have to or because they choose to, they just, you know, there's this saying that they just bring their kids to the schools and make my kids Jewish, right? But they don't follow up at home. So it, it is a very difficult task. And teachers have their children, and this is beyond Jewish education, for like a major part of the day and of the year. So, you know, they are the... They cannot take the whole responsibility, but still they are super important in, in a child's life. Absolutely. So speaking of which, Leora, would you share with us a couple of your favorite moments or things about being in the classroom? And then I will take you out of the classroom. Well, the classroom is my happy space. Um, I'm so lucky and grateful that 
even since the pandemic, I'm now able to still go into preschool classrooms and still be with the children and still have fun. Today we had the best fun. My puppet was blowing the shofar for everybody. And the children thought it was the best thing they had ever seen. And it was so nice to see the little ones suspend their disbelief. And it, it was just fun and, and joyous and laughter. And those are the things that make me the happiest. That's amazing. The wonder in their eyes and... And just enjoying, right? Yeah. I wonder some people are online with us. If you have questions or comments, you can write them in the chat also. So how about your journey from the classroom to, um, to outside of the classroom? <laughs> okay. So um, there's uh, different components in that because when the pandemic hit, I could not go back to full-time teaching. Um, before we were, you know, before we knew even what the pandemic was about, the decision was made that um, I would have to go back to school. That was um, August before vaccines. And I had to make the decision to protect my family and stay home. So I knew that there wasn't an option for me to go back to school. For the first time in my life, I had to contemplate not being in preschool. And that was really a difficult time for me. Fortunately, or unfortunately, there was nothing fortunate about the pandemic. But one thing that did happen was that I met children online who also couldn't go back to school for some reason, one reason or another. They had immune deficiencies. They had family members who were not well. For different reasons, they could not go back to school. And this was their pre-K year. And so now we were faced with the not-so-amazing opportunity of having to do pre-K online. And obviously, that is not ideal. However, we were all in a situation that we needed that. And so the first year of the pandemic, 2020-21 school year, I ran a program online where we did pre-K online. And it was pretty fun. We made space for dancing. We made space for singing. And it was on Zoom. However, it was effective and those children went off to kindergarten and thank God were all successful in their kindergarten year. So that was a very special year for us. The other thing was that while I was in the preschool classroom, there were moments in the preschool classroom where I was looking for resources that I couldn't find. And so that was when I came home and said to my husband, I really need a Havdalah book. There's other books that mention Havdalah or talk about Havdalah, but I haven't found a book that tells me 
what Abdallah is all about. I need to write that. And so even while I was teaching, I was writing children's stories. A lot of them stayed on the back burner because working uh, 40 hours a week in the preschool and 20 hours a week in the religious school, a lot of the books didn't make it to be published. Some of them did. But every time I needed something in my classroom, I would write my own book for that. And when the, um, the pandemic hit and I wasn't working 60, 70, 80 hours a week anymore, I was able to take some of these books and bring them to the public. And the first one that I wrote during the pandemic actually wasn't one that had been on the back burner. It was a one about wearing masks and being safe because I knew if I wasn't going to go back into the classroom, I wanted to help some of the children understand that. And so that one was called The Masked Mitzvah. And it hit number one. So I was very grateful for that. And then because, you know, being at home, I was able to produce my Shavuot story as well during the pandemic and start working on my latest, which is the seventh day, the seven days of creation. And that book actually, we're having a book launch on Thursday. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. And have definitely taken over a lot um, with um, a lot of my time plus my uh, story aids for my classroom. And now I'm Judaica specialist where I go into preschools once a week and educate the children about the things that I love the most. And so that is where I am now where I'm not a full-time uh, preschool teacher but I am still in early childhood education and a full-time educator. That's amazing, Leora. And Leora is, has not shared with us yet that her books are also a work of art because she creates the graphics and she uses different techniques. And, and, and it's so amazing. Um, one of them is uh, with, I don't know if it was clay or Play-Doh or that, that's... Um, yes. Yeah, Plasticina. Plasticina. We call it plasticine. It's um, the, the non-dry clay. Right. Yeah. We use so that. What happened was that um, I started illustrating by necessity because my first books I did not illustrate. My first book was illustrated by a friend of mine and then my husband illustrated the rest of them. Uh, when the pandemic started, um, my husband was too busy to help me illustrate. And I really wanted the mask mitzvah to come out. And so I had to, by necessity, think of a way to illustrate it myself. And I had all my preschool supplies here. And I realized that I had a lot of colored paper. And so I illustrated it with collage. I used things that were lying around my house and just illustrated it with collage materials. And so that was my first one that I did on my own. And then when I saw that um, it went number one and that people actually liked it, 
I thought maybe I would challenge myself to something that I had always wanted to do and had always wanted to model with modeling clay. And so that was how I did my Shavuot story. I didn't really think it through because it's plasticine or modeling clay. And so it's soft. And every time you touch it, it gets a hole in it. Uh, So even though um, I have kept them because I'm hoping to illustrate another book with them, uh, maybe next time I won't use clay that doesn't dry. But, you know, that's how you learn things. And the last one that I did was also with my recycling. I found lots of different papers in recycle bins around the schools where I teach. And I didn't do any research at all. I didn't even know that you could buy quilling paper and that there were special tools for it. I just thought, hmm, I've seen that somewhere. Maybe I should try to do it. And so I went for it, and I didn't use anything fancy. Uh, If you look carefully at some of my um, pictures, a lot of the brown in the book, for example, the challah, you'll see a little hint of red because it's a Trader Joe's bag. Wow, that's that's like a look and find, where's Waldo thing. (laughs) It looks amazing, by the way. I have a copy of Leora's book, the latest book. I have many of them, actually, but this one too about the creation and it's and I can totally see this in the classroom uh we have read it at home several times now for Rosh Hashanah I'm 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 really a fan and I have to confess something Leora that you don't know um I met Leora at a fabulous program of storytellers and and educators rise from new stage um uh, from new cage and um and when I met her both her and I we had books right? Or yours was coming. I had published my book a while ago. And now with my second book, which is nonfiction, and and it's this prayer book, the words from my heart ones, I had not a similar situation, but like sort of similar in a way that I knew precisely what I wanted, but I don't consider myself an artist in that way. I'm an artist, but not like a graphic artist. And so again, talking with the people who helped me bring this to life and to, to the mug and the designer. Um, at one point it was like, you have such a clear idea of what you want. Just go ahead and do it. Cause I wanted it to be um, like, um, I wouldn't say collage, but that sort of world. I have to think of a better way, <laughs> but yeah, very hands-on. I wanted the book to express how hands-on the activities are. So you gave me permission to just go for it and try it because the designer said, why don't you try it? And then I remembered you and not only your books, but how you carry yourself. And, and this, by the way, is Leora, right? I just went ahead and do it because, you know, I, I feel there was something there and she's not asking permission and turning and turning. And Leora had to work a lot in her life to be where she is. I know her story, where she comes from. And, and it's not like everything was handed to her. And, and, and she walks, and this is our third and last team, but I think it's so important. She, you, you, you hold yourself with such, um, I, I would just say gratitude and, and, and grace, um, that I think that opens a path for many of us to say, you know what, let's, let's use the blessings that I have. Let's use the resources that I have, because that's another way of honoring them. 
So this is my third, I don't know if it's number three, but let's say it's the third part of our conversation, which brings us into the title of this um, talk, which is a journey of gratitude from the classroom to the world of stories. And yes, there are challenges with the early childhood, but as you discover, Leora, you can see how much she loves what she does and how uh, amazing, an amazing educator and intentional educator she is. So when I met Leora and we got to talk over and over again, I noticed something very particular. And these are my favorite things to talk about when we're having this conversation and raising Jewish kids. This is why I bring you these people because these are people that I admire and, and there's something I need to learn from them. Um, so repeatedly in many situations, she would say something like, well, she will explain something, right? And you will say something like this, Leora. Well, I am very lucky because da-da-da-da, or like you said, even the pandemic, no, there was nothing fortunate. But you say a lot of time, I was very fortunate because, or I was very fortunate that. And, and to me, that's just mind-blowing because you see your journey as you go through it. You see the blessings and you enjoy them. And, and, and it's okay to share that you have blessings because guess what? That allows the rest of us who's hearing to say, wait a minute, I can also say I'm lucky because it's not like two, 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 the evil eye. What, you know, Bobby used to tell me, don't, don't tell everybody, don't tell. No, it's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I grew up with, shh, don't say that. But at some point, when you stop saying to yourself, how lucky I am, how lucky I am to, well, I was very lucky because I met Leora at this conference, right? And so I don't know how, I wonder if people or you, um, have pointed at before that, that phrase, I am very lucky because, and, and if you can share a little bit with us how you carry yourself with just gratitude and, and grace. You know, I don't really have an answer to that because when I was a little girl, the boys used to tease me and call me Pollyanna because I always used to find, I don't know if you know the book Pollyanna, it's a, a book that we grew up with and it's a little girl who always finds good in everything that she sees and I just I was just brought up in a society that that went through so much with the holocaust and a lot of survivor guilt and they all taught me to have gratitude they all taught me that there's good in everyone and that we should try and find that good and it just I don't know I I just seem to look for that wherever I go I I not sure if it's even intentional I think it's just something about how I look at the world. I always look for the good in everything. I'm not sure why. I think that's a blessing. And and maybe you can share with us if you can think of uh, an example. Or, Of course, you model that to the kids by being like that, right? Maybe you're in the classroom or with the kids and say, oh, how lucky am my puppet? Mazal, by the way, it's called right? Mazal, which means luck. Now I'm making the connection, right? He's here. <laughs> I don't know. But um, so that's modeling. But what are other things that we can do as adults, as, as educators, as parents 
to 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 teach that the children to model for the children, also to teach them actively to look for the good, to feel the blessing, to to say, "Wow, how lucky I am!" To I guess that's just my curriculum. <laughs> that's just what I do because I believe in it, and so it's the way that I teach. I lead with gratitude. We start every morning with morde morda ani, and we start the day with gratitude. And all my lesson plans are about being kind, being good, taking care of the planet. It's the way that I believe we should educate our children. Right now we're doing Rosh Hashanah, and of course, I have to tell the children, "Be kind to the bees," and it becomes a big discussion because a lot of people are taught to hate bees. A lot of children are taught to destroy bees; they will hurt you. And so, when I come in, I always have to lead with. How important bees are, and how important they are for the planet. And if we didn't have bees, we wouldn't have food. And that's where my lesson has to start: kindness and love for yourself, for the planet, for all the creatures, for the world, and for each other. Wow, Leora, thank you so much.、Uh, I think you gave us a lot of food for thought. To look for the good and and try and fix and speak up for things that are not good and and they still need fixing. They still need a tikkun, which you know it's it's a topic as we are approaching the high holidays. I really want to thank Liora for being here today. And Liora, please tell everybody where to find you, where to find your books,、um, your your Judaic、um, aids elements, and all that good stuff. So you, if you went to my website. Moraleora dot com, and it's Mora M O R A H L E O R A. You will find everything you need on my website. Feel free to email me Leora at Moraleora dot com. On Facebook, you will find me with my full name Leora Naiman Lazarus. Um, other than that, everything you need you'll find on Moraleora dot. Amazing, and we will also put in the comments. We will tag you so that everybody can reach you.、Um, if you are looking for the perfect book for it, I, I'm not just saying it. I, I know it's an amazing book of creation. It it、uh, sparkles creativity and possibilities. So, my friend, thank you. I want to now with gratitude. I want to say thank you so much for inviting me. My conversations with you are always my highlights. So, thank you so so much. I hope that conversation was meaningful to you. I would love to hear your comments, your questions, your suggestions. Please reach out to me, shalomeve.com or evelyngoldfinger.com. Just go to contact, and there you can find me. Thank you, everybody, for listening, for taking the time, for making the time to reflect. I hope that you have a favorite takeaway from today. For my favorite takeaways, you can see that. 
on the show notes along with how to get in touch with Leora and with Miss Eve and everyone. Wishing you a wonderful rest of your week. And as we approach Pesach already, Chag Pesach Sameach, Happy Passover. Shalom.